I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Featured Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. Unfortunately, Rick could not join us today, but he did uh, let me know what he uh, thought of the anime that we watched. So I'll be sure to add that in at the end. Um... This week was my choice. It was From the New World. It was a 25-episode anime that originally aired in September 2012 all the way through March of 2013. Uh, the producers, one of the main producers for it, was Aniplex, and it's from the studio A1 Pictures. Uh, the genres for it were sci-fi, mystery, horror, psychological, supernatural, drama, and a whole lot of weird. Um, this is a coming-of-age story for Saki, who is the main character, the primary character, all the way throughout. Now, you do have some other characters in there. You have Maria, Shun, Satoru... Mamoru, all of them are, are there throughout a majority of it, or they reference them uh, part of the way through it or, or throughout. Another character that you could really say is a real pivotal, though a supporting character, a real pivotal point character would be Squealer. Now, I'll get into who Squealer is a little bit later on, but this is very much a coming-of-age story, and the main character, the main, main protagonist, Saki, she is narrating her life events all the way throughout. So you at least know, no matter what, she's alive at the end. This coming-of-age story, in and of itself, is unique in the sense that it takes place 1,000 years into the future. And it starts off with people just being brutally murdered. And for a portion, for like a few episodes, they actually reference back several hundred years, couple hundred years back. So you can get the sense of how we arrived at this utopian style world that also has some like real unique kind of cult-esque feelings to it. And you learn about some supernatural stuff, like you have the trickster cat or, or the tainted cats, and they go around, and if you do something bad, if you don't get your power, if you know something happens that you're not supposed to do, then you will disappear. No one knows what really happens, or rather the kids don't know what happens but they allude to it pretty strongly throughout. These kids, these people are dead. You show signs of anger, hostility, no remorse over anything that you do. You try to use your powers against someone else or, or try to interfere with someone else with your powers in a negative way in, in any situation. 
you will disappear. It's a no-no. It's a big no-no. And you are inside this town. No electricity really to speak of. Everything's wide open lands. It's farm almost. Everything's connected through canals. They don't have modern technology. Books not really heard of nor nor used at all because it's viewed as uh, information from the Dark Ages and they don't want to acknowledge the past that was there. And they are the evolution of humans. Now, it starts off with Saki being at 12 years old. And at 12 years old, you start in, she starts learning immediately the type of world that she is in. She will eventually disappear if she doesn't gain her powers. Luckily, she does. She joins the rest of her friends. And no one can remember anyone else from that class. As far as anyone can remember, she was the only one. And she she you know, feels like she was the only one that was left, but she knows that she wasn't the only one. It's just, it's not clicking. And disappearances and people leaving or something like that, and you don't remember anymore instantly, even after a day, it's as if nothing happened. Well, same deal. She is having like these feelings. She's like, I know something's there. I know I'm missing something. I'm forgetting something. It's really important to me to know this. And then they go out on a trip and she, in, in this religious occult type situation, you have these priests and everything like that, that tell them you can't use your powers. And when they go out on this trip, they, you, they, they find this automated artificial intelligent library that starts giving them this information. And this monk comes up and seals their powers because they obtained knowledge of the history of their world of humanity. But they also figure out that their powers aren't permanently gone, that they are able to actually get, get them back if they understand their mantra or if they can remember their mantra. Now, they are given their powers back and they immediately do a time jump two years into the future, and and they comment on this. Now, the time jumps are necessary. I'm not a big fan of time jumps, especially when they do multiple ones, but they do a couple different time jumps. At first, it's a couple of months, then it's two years, and then it's 12 years, and then they do another one that's 10 years after that. So it's pretty, you know, they they do large chunks, large jumps. So they do a small one, small one, big, big. And I understand they need to get through and progress the story. It's not like they can sit there and, and just dwell on it as a whole the whole time. But when they're on that trip, when she was 12 years old and their powers got sealed and when they were trying to learn it, they ran across a very unique character. Now, they're called monster rats. One monster rat in particular they met is called Squealer. Squealer, he's kind of like the representative for his uh, unique group of monster rats. Now, these monster rats, the they look weird. And they are seen as servants to the humans and squealer belongs to this particular group called robber fly a very small colony now there are several and and a lot of them 
much, much larger than his, one of them being giant hornets, which is said to be the biggest one out there. Now, you you can tell that they are they're fairly intelligent. They're able to move and and some of them are are of a higher intelligence than others, and they're able to have full conversations. But some of them you could just tell that they're not they're not quite level on the playing field in terms of intelligence. Now this really comes into play when they turn 14. Because at this point, you're you're learning that through very various methods that the the kids, Saki and all the other humans can't kill or even injure each other because if they kill someone, they themselves will die from something called the death of shame. Now it is something that is done to them. It is installed into them. It is, it is something they grow up with. And if they were to do something to another human being or to another person of their kind who they see as their own kind, they themselves will die. Now this that that part will come in to play at the very end. At the very end. Because at 14 years old, Squealer runs into Saki again when uh, Saki and Satoru are, are going out on this journey because one of their friends, Momoro, has actually disappeared. He left. He ran away because of several events. And mainly because Saki is trying to remember individuals, trying to remember people. That, that have long since disappeared. One of those people is Shun. Shun was someone that she was in love with and she cared deeply about, but she remembered key aspects about an interaction that no one else remembered because they were solo interactions. And when Shun disappeared, they erased her memory of him and replaced it with someone else. And that person was dead set on them being that person, they were positive that they were that person. But Saki knew because she's had the that conversation. She's just like, you're not that person. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't talk to you about what you want to talk about. I can't, I can't hang out with you in that way. And then Satoru also comes to this realization. And then Momoro, who I I honestly cannot stand because he is just so whiny, so whiny becomes really afraid that he is going to die or that he's going to be killed or disappear. And then everyone's going to forget him. Well, what happened with Shun was he started quote unquote, leaking out power. He couldn't control it anymore. He, it was just leaking out exponentially. And then it ended up destroying his family and then eventually destroying him. He wasn't, since he wasn't able to control it. It just reached that point. And so she forgot about him in the sense that her memories were overridden. Soon after that, that is when Momoro then runs away. And that's when Satoru and Maria and Saki chase after him. They do eventually find him and it doesn't take him long. But he starts breaking down and he starts crying because he doesn't want to be forgotten. He wants to live. He doesn't want to die. And he, he knows because the tainted cats appeared, he knows that he's next on the chopping block. 
Well, while they're trying to find them, they get separated from Maria and they're not able to find her. And what ends up happening is they go back to town after they find Momoro and Maria wants to stay with him because he doesn't want to go back to town. So Saki and Satoru go back to town. They then are told they have to go back and get him because what's going to end up happening is they will have an all out manhunt. They're not going to let him just wander because what would happen or what could happen is he could become an ogre. And what an ogre is, is someone that has lost control of their powers, but not in the same way that Shun did. They lost their power in the sense that they just go on a murderous rampage and they just murder everyone and anyone at all. They, they don't discriminate. They will murder you. It doesn't matter if you're a baby, if you're old, old man, woman, child, it don't matter. They will straight up murder you. Not, not nicely. They will set you ablaze. They will crush you, rip you apart, explode you from the inside out. It's just their power just goes off the deep end and their mentality with it. And they just start killing and there is no, no recourse for it. And so they want to make sure that they are able to stop those people. They want to make sure that they're able to kill them or stop them. And that's why they actually have those, those tainted cats is because they are afraid of something like that happening. And that's why they also have the death of shame because one ogre can completely wipe out everyone. Well, when Saki and Satoru start chasing after them, trying to find them again, they're not able to, but they do run across Squealer again, except this time they're, they're living in a lot better circumstances and they have a factory that's making cement houses and Saki says we don't even have cement houses where did you find this technology how did you come across this where did you you know learn about this he goes we learned it from a book which means that they either captured one of those artificial intelligent libraries or they found some books an enclave of books a repository of information and so the giant hornets and robber fly the difference is giant hornets adhere to a feudal system style living. The queens, the per, the only creature that can give birth for the monster rats, the queens, are the leaders. Whereas of the robber flies, not so much. They adhere to a more democratic style society. And that kind of worries Saki, but it, not too much. She makes it a low priority for her to worry about. Well, when they're not able to find them, she, she says, you know, we'll just tell them. We'll just tell them that they're dead. And then she tells Squealer to, you know, like, look, if anyone asks you, just tell them they're dead. I'll leave you to take care of the details. I don't care. And so he talks about using actual bones that are like mole or monster rats because they're almost like humans in some sense. And so what ends up happening is she goes, fine do it, I don't care, and then leaves. Well, 10 years later, and when she's 26 years old and Satoru and Saki have separated and gone their own ways, they don't talk anymore, end up coming together because they notice monster rats are acting a little weird, and then you learn about the society that the monster rats have to 
live in. Everything they do, they have to adhere to what the humans say. If they want to do a surprise attack, if they want to go to war or anything like that, they actually have to fill out paperwork. And it's kind of funny, but understandable. They want to keep track of them for whatever reason. You don't really know why. But then you know to, but then you start learning that some funny stuff is going on. Surprise attacks, no one knew anything about it at all. And so that's got Saki a little weird. She's worried about this. And so as the story progresses on, something really weird happens when when they go to war. Or rather, they go to war, but there's no paperwork for for the war between the giant hornets and robber fly, and what ends up happening is there's a complete massacre, complete and utter massacre of the giant hornets with the leader of them, the general, disappearing. What's interesting is the suspicious circumstances in which they were all killed. There wasn't any casualties on the rubber fly end. And they can only theorize that someone, some human, assisted the robber flies because they can kill the monster rats without suffering a death of shame. They can kill them without suffering any repercussions. Well, what the community decides to do is they decide to eliminate the robber flies. Well, when they make that decision, the robber flies are actually already getting ready to eliminate the humans because they want to be seen as equals. They don't want to be the slaves anymore. They want to have equal footing. They want to have equal ground. And so they do a preemptive strike. They, they use explosives, they use poisoned arrows, they use poisonous gas, they use guns, tactics. They, they use very real tactics when you have overwhelming numbers with a military force. But when you ha- are outgunned because of their power, their, one, their power can wipe out almost an entire colony, no matter the number, you got to go things correctly. You got to go about it correctly. And that's what they do. They, they whittle them down, whittle them down, whittle them down, whittle them down. And then they have a secret weapon. They have a little girl about 10 and she has power and she has no idea who humans are. She just kills everyone. And since no one can kill her because she's a human and they will die, she's able to kill them all without any regard. That makes her very dangerous. What's more is Squealer know, knows about this. And then you learn that all monster rats know this. They know that humans can't kill each other, that they're not able to. And it was never a secret, even though it was supposed to be a closely guarded secret. Well, this little girl looks almost identical to Maria. And then you're left to insinuate with the uh, assumption that Squealer had. Maria and Satoru, they had a baby. They He had them mate with each other. And they had a child. That child ended up having psychic powers. And then you also learn about be, that because of this, they attacked a nursery with her and they were able to take other babies that may end up having uh, powers as well, which is something that they do when they attack a a rival clan, they take their babies, their offspring, and raise them as their own, as slaves, to be nothing more than worker ants and soldiers for them. And the bones that they found at, that were presented to, to the town was actually of Maria and Satoru. They actually were killed. 
after she had given birth is what I would assume. And the baby was left to be raised by, by solely monster rats. So she has the mentality and viewpoint that she is a monster rat, not a human. So that's why she's able to kill humans without a problem. Well, at the very end, when they're trying to figure out a way to stop her, and it's her, Satoru, and another monster rat who the who was the general of the uh, giant hornets, he runs out. They concoct this plan because it's a last-ditch effort. They're not going to survive otherwise. He runs out with completely covered, looking like a human, and she blows a hole in his stomach. He then reveals that he's actually a monster rat. And because she was only supposed to be killing humans, she ends up dying from the death of shame. That's part of her life. Squealer then, at that point, surrenders. He's got no other recourse. He can't do anything else. And the cleanup's already begun in the city to try and stop them, to completely wipe out everyone as a whole. He, he, can't, he can't stop them anymore. And on his trial, he says, we're not monsters, we are humans. And the people laugh, but Saki and Satoru don't. And so they dig and dig a little bit, and then they discover that what actually happened is humanity, the ones with the powers, decided to take humans without a power and inject just enough DNA to change and alter their appearance so that way they're no longer technically human. They're monster rats. They took the mole rat, some genomes from the mole rats and put them into humans without the power, and that's how they became the monster rats. So that's why they're able to kill the humans or the monster rats without any repercussion. And the reason why they did this is because they wanted to maintain a historical advantage and control over those who they felt were inferior to them. At the end of it all, despite all the casualties and everything like that, the cycle does continue. It jumps forward 10 years for the last episode, last half of the episode. And you learn that her, Saki and Satoru do get married. They're about to have a child of their own. And he's actually, Satoru and Saki are actually a part of the economic committee. And he and Satoru raises the tainted cats which are used to eliminate other humans of a nefarious or negative nature. And that's how they're able to avoid the death of shame. They are ordered to kill said person. They then go kill that person. Now, how would I rate this anime? I rated a 4.2. The animation, it's good. It's kind of reminiscent of something. Now, I, I can't qu quite put my finger on it, but it is a little reminiscent. It's got a great story, solid plot all the way through. It does not let you down in the conclusion. It, it gives you a solid conclusion. And yeah, it gives it an ending too. So beginning, ending has the middle point. Yeah, the time skips are there. That's all right. They, they make it work to the advantage of the story. You learn a little bit about what happened to the rest of the world. You learn about some real crazy stuff, but overall it is, it is a really great story. Well worth the watch. Um, definitely not for kids cause there is blood, a lot of it, violence, profanity, 
Um, and if you want one that's a thinker, this is great for you. Reason why I deduct it is because I would have loved to have a more solid conclusion as to what actually happened to the babies that were kidnapped is like, could have mentioned is like, Oh, we found all the babies that were taken. They didn't mention any of that. Or if there were any others that were taken, nor did they mention whether or not they still use Ratman for any uses at all, or if anything had changed as a result of this, they never allude to it, never state anything about it or anything at all. Now, Rick did tell me his score. He gave us his score of 4.1. Um, he also imparted some notes on to me, so he wanted to make sure that you all knew. He thought it did a really good job of pulling you in, making you care while foreshadowing the inevitable deaths to come, which I do agree. They did do that. Um, he cried a little bit. I don't know at what parts. I personally didn't cry at any of it, but that's just me. Um, in the very first episode, uh, there was some chanting and talking about mantras and the guy, the main dude that was talking about it, the shaman is, it reminds him of a religious cult, which this whole thing could be considered a religious cult. I, I, I definitely agree with him on that. Um, some of the cons for him though, he felt like there was a constant sense of doom right around the corner uh, and that, he goes on to state that that could have just been him. Well, that's all we got for today. I hope you enjoyed this solo episode of uh, yours truly. Rick will be back next week and it was his choice and he chose a movie uh, for the review. We will be reviewing My Neighbor Totoro. It originally came out in 1988. It's about an hour and a half long and the genres are adventure comedy supernatural if you have seen from the new world or next week's or any of the other ones that we have reviewed uh, feel free to reach out to us and let us know what you thought of them uh, you'll be featured in on one of the upcoming episodes and you can reach out to us at featured anime podcast at gmail.com or you could tweet at us at the twitterverse you can Reach us there at those anime guys. And we also have a voicemail link in the show notes. So feel free to leave us a voicemail. Until next time, I'm Jack. Later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.